0: Hello, and welcome to the Tuesday, November 24th, 2020 episode of The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. This is Craig W. Hurst, Emeritus Professor of Music, podcasting from my music bunker, along with my faithful canine companion, Carmel the Wonder Dog, to share with you my latest musical interests and discoveries. I claim no special insight information about the latest or greatest music, nor do I know everything there is to know about music. What I am is a lover of music. I enjoy several genres of music, and I share with you what has currently caught my interest, old, new, outdated and everything in between. Even old music is brand new if you have never heard it before. The universe of music is a vast one to enjoy. From my discussions, you might find something new to you and of interest to expand your own musical universe. I currently receive no compensation or motivation of any kind from any recording label, Recording artist or estate of any performer or composer dead and gone To discuss their music and or their recordings Now with that out of the way Welcome to my musical universe I have to say that I have been a fan of country music since I was a kid. I became enamored with Hank Williams in 1964, after seeing the movie, Your Cheatin' Heart with George Hamilton playing the role of Hank Williams. Also, I spent 15 years living in Texas where country music is ubiquitous and common at social gatherings. The real kicker came just last year when I was asked to introduce Bill Malone at the Southeastern Wisconsin Festival of Books hosted by the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee at Waukesha. Bill Malone is the author of Country Music USA, considered to be one of the most authoritative histories of American country music. I made a personal commitment to read Bill's entire book, all 768 pages, before I met him and introduced him at the festival. Bill's book fanned the flame of my love of country music, especially the music of Jimmy Rogers, Ernest Tubb, Hank Williams, perhaps even more than when I was younger, Merle Haggard, Lefty Frizzell, Kitty Wells, Patsy Cline, Loretta Lynn, and many, many others I would be here all day listening. So first up on today's podcast is a country artist that caught my attention, primarily because I think her style embraces the older styles of country music. Her name is Victoria Bailey. Victoria is a native of California, where she honed her live performing skills that gave the listener that great honky-tonk and Bakersfield sound of earlier times. Her newest album is entitled, Jesus, Red Wine, and Patsy Cline. Well, hello Victoria, how are you doing today?
1: Hello Craig, I'm doing great, thanks for having me on.
0: Well, it is a pleasure to to finally have you on my show and uh, know that you're doing well. You know, I, uh, I'm really curious, after listening to your music, uh, I'm curious to know what drew you to a country music sound rather than, say, a folk singer style, singer-songwriter, or a pop rock style.
1: Gosh, yeah. Um, I definitely started off more... It was so hard to like categorize when I was first started writing songs, but I definitely thought of myself more of a folk singer and was just very inspired by that kind of music growing up. Um, there was always James Taylor and Cat Stevens, um, Carol King playing in my house. And um, that's kind of what my first batch of songs really sounded like. Um, then I guess just falling in love with country music um, and just being so inspired by that really just took such a natural shift on its own. Um, I think just like really diving in deep and falling in love with a country song story and just so many inspiring women like Lou Harris and Dolly Parton. Um, I think that's what really shifted it for me and now that's just what feels um, so normal to my heart and to these songs I'm writing.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think I think there's a lot uh, what to what you're saying. It's uh, uh, I always remember uh, I lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for about 15 years, and uh, there was a radio station out of Fort Worth, WBAP, which had been broadcasting since the 20s. Anyway, their billboards used to always have a in giant letters country music tells a story
1: yes.
0: and I think uh, I think that is a draw to uh, to listeners and songwriters both well speaking of songwriting tell me and my audience a bit about your creative process in writing your music what is it that is your muse
1: Hush, I don't have a very structured, um, way of writing. I, I honestly sort of envy anytime I hear someone that, I don't know, that is able to wake up and write a song every day. That, um, is such a mystery to me. I honestly, it just kind of comes in waves and it's definitely, um, always inspired by friend or romantic relationships or, books that I'm reading or movies that I'm reading or just like life in general. Um, when something, um, when something hit me, hits me, it's just kind of pours out of there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's not really like a set. Um, I don't have a set structure to writing a song. So I'm not usually it comes in the middle of the night where I have to jump up and write it down. And I'm honestly a little frustrated <laughs> when that happens <laughs> Now, when I'm trying to go to sleep, of course. Um, Yeah, yeah, but it's always different, and um, that kind of keeps it exciting.
0: Well, let me ask you when you write a song, do you start with uh, a melodic idea or do you start with uh, lyrics?
1: Um, It's usually a line in the song. Um, I always have like an ongoing note page in my phone um it usually circles around an idea and then the music comes second to that um yeah and I mean if there's a song there it usually comes out pretty quickly I never really like sit on a song too long um Mm -hmm. I'll just move forward but yeah usually circles around a phrase or something that I read that I loved and kind of create something out of that.
0: So would you agree that the melodic and harmonic content of your music is really an enhancement of of the lyrics? Or do you think yeah, of it that way?
1: So. Um, definitely, I feel like the style of music I try to write um, is generally pretty like country traditional sound and so um it it usually just kind of fits in like a pocket when um i have an idea of going like what kind of chords and sounds that i want to be paired with that
0: okay well let's get to a specific song and the one that hooked me on you is the lead song from your your album honky tonk woman i think is a great song and it really grabbed me it really grabbed me because it sounds like those good old country songs with pedal steel guitar and fiddle which i i love that sound
1: yes me too thank
0: you well you're welcome one thing though that i find just a tad different is that your voice is a standout with what i think is a really good deal of polish to the sound Uh, you know your voice is not raspy it's not you know I don't I I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to think of some metaphors I know like uh, uh, I think it's the singer songwriter Tom Waits they they say his voice sounds like it's been marinated in whiskey and cigarette smoke you know (laughs) <laughs> and, and your voice doesn't sound like that. It, I think it's a very clear and very polished uh, vocal sound. What were your models for your vocal sound and style?
1: Um, when I started learning country songs, um, I really just fell head over heels for Emmy Lou Harris. And that was kind of when I met the group of musicians and friends that I hang out with now and that have played on my records. Um, so learning her songs, I think that was like my greatest teacher um, for my voice. Um, but I really, I do feel like I sing pretty close to how I speak too. And so, um, yeah, just kind of throwing a little bit of twang and inspiration into that, I think is really where my, my country voice came from.
0: Oh, okay. That's, that's great. Well, another song that is on your album, it uh, made me think of this next question. And that is that, you know, country music is full of drinking songs. And right now mm-hmm. I'm thinking of what's going through my head is Ernest Tubbs, uh, pass the booze. Um, so, and there's all kinds of country artists that have recorded about drinking and so forth. So another song yeah. on your album that really grabbed me was Spent My Dime on White Wine. Is this <laughs> is this your version of the country drinking, quote unquote, come to Jesus moment song?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I think that's my favorite question I've ever been asked, <laughs> but um, I... I guess that's my, my classy version, my classy version of a drinking country song. Um, I'm not typically one to, um, I don't do very well drinking and performing, so that doesn't ever really go hand in hand for me, but um, I love a good glass of wine, so it's definitely a theme on the album, and yeah, and I don't know just kind of a good mixture of all the things. (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay. Another song that caught my ear was uh, your cover of uh, Tennessee, uh, of course, which was originally recorded by Johnny Cash. Uh, Uh, Did you uh, choose to include this song as some sort of a tribute to Johnny Cash or was there another reason you you would like to tell us about?
1: Yeah, so that song is so special to me. Um, I went to Nashville for the first time, probably six, seven years ago now. Um, I've gone back many times since, but my first time there, I wasn't really playing country music yet and kind of just was so in awe of what was going on over there and just fell in love with all of the places I walked into and heard these traditional country songs and newer stuff too and I, was just kind of driving through the countryside there and listening to Johnny Cash and that song came on and I really felt like it summed up Tennessee as a whole. Um, I just think it's the purest, sweetest song and just describes the nature of the people that live there and um, just like such a simple life. Like as I was listening to it, I'm driving past all of these houses that have horses in their front yards and signs for county fairs and just really just matched up with what he was singing about and um, I started covering that song a couple of years back because um, I always loved it so much and knew that it had to go on my first country record um, just kind of kind of tying into that first trip um, going to Nashville.
0: Oh, very good. very good. Well, it's a great song so I you know I, I think uh, excellent. Uh, reason to choose to, to cover it. Um, you know, another uh, element about your music, too, that uh, is talked about is that uh, uh, Bakersfield sound. And of course, often when we think of the Bakersfield sound, we think of Merle Haggard, Buck Owens, and Dwight Yoakam. Uh, your song, Skid Row, seems to capture that same sort of feel or song. Were there any particular songs by other artists that inspired you to write and do this song the way you did?
1: Um, So my good friend um, who plays Pedal Steel on the album, he also produced the record. Um, He's been my mentor around here for years. Um, He actually lives in North Carolina now, but um, he lived here until last year, and I just always learned so much about music from him, and um, he was the one actually who told me about the Bakersfield Sound and kind of got me to dive into that history. Um, We have a good little country scene here in county, which sounds funny, but um, even when I'm traveling, people are often confused how I got started in country music but really there's so much like great artists that came from not too far from here in Bakersfield and so um being able to highlight that and kind of talk about it a bit on album um was very important to me just kind of to shine light on um just the artists that came from here and how much history is preserved in our little town and we have one little honky-tonk bar that we um sing in and so yeah i just kind of wanted to highlight both of those
0: well it certainly is a, a regional style that that has merit um you know and it and it's interesting i i believe my my, my personal interest in it of course is what fed into the the uh, kind of the socioeconomic and cultural foundation of people coming to that part of California, particularly during the depression and uh, and then uh, of course they're you know growing up working there, their children doing the same thing and and uh, that uh, uh, again, that socioeconomic atmosphere that that produced a lot of those, uh, Great performers from from out of Bakersfield. Right. Well, I uh, uh, love your work, and uh, I mean I, it's almost like a day doesn't go by that I don't listen to something that you're you're you've you've got out. But I want you yeah. to talk with my audience about your newest things. I know that you have a new Christmas song out, which I think is just wonderful. And then also two singles uh, covering the same Bruce Springsteen song, but kind of in two different versions. Would you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, I'll start with the Christmas one, um, which I love so much. It's actually a song by the band that I covered. And we were just kind of searching high and low for a Christmas song that hadn't been done Um a million times and I've always had such um, a love for the band and so it was such an honor to cover that song we recorded it in the middle of um, summertime in a heat wave (laughs) Um, (laughs) that was cool too just trying to um, shift into the Christmas spirit mind but um, yeah it was so I feel so lucky that I've been able to record a little bit during quarantine, so we were able to do that, as well as the Bruce Springsteen song, um, which originally started as an idea of me doing an acoustic version of By Myself, Um, and my band was in there with me, and we ended up doing just this wild version that just pays so much tribute to the boss and his band. Um, I had a couple friends come down and play horns on it, and we just thought it would be really cool to highlight both versions, um, also kind kind of paying tribute to how Bruce Springsteen can perform and just make you cry, him singing solo with his guitar, but also can just put on such an incredible four-hour show with his E Street band. And so, um, yeah, it was so fun recording both of those, or I guess all three of those songs in the past couple months and i'm so excited to have them out um the album was recorded almost two years ago now and so i hadn't been um recording a lot in the studio and so it was so fun to get back in there and um see some friends and create a little bit with them
0: Mm -hmm. well wonderful so um so what are your plans now for the uh the future
1: The future. Who even knows? Um, 2021, I think we're all just hoping for the world to heal a little bit and for it to become safer um, and play some shows. Um, I'm definitely ready to start writing again and just kind of thinking um, next record even but I feel like putting this record out um, during such a weird time we, of course, couldn't tour with it so Mm-hmm. we've kind of got back for whenever that's safe. And so hopefully um, I'll go on a little run for this record and share these songs um, with new people. And I'm so excited for what opportunity comes.
0: Wonderful. Well, Victoria, is there anything else that you would like to add or tell my audience that I haven't asked you about?
1: Um, gosh, good question. Well, I hope everyone is just staying safe and healthy and positive um it's been a roller coaster year so i hope everyone is just hanging in there and if you'd like to check out my album it's called jesus red wine and patsy klein and you can follow along um on my social media pages they're pretty much all under victoria bailey music as well as my website victoria bailey music.com
0: and i would add that uh, this is for my listeners that in my show notes, which I post on my uh, Facebook page for the musical universe of Professor Hurst, I have the uh, Victoria Bailey rock Ridge music website link also your the uh, Facebook page link and uh, link at uh, all music. And of course, a link to a performance on YouTube of my favorite song, Honky Tonk Woman. <laughs> oh,
1: so great, thank you
0: so, so much. So Vic- Victoria, I want to thank you for taking time to talk with me today and uh, all the best with what I'm sure will be a successful musical future. I know for sure you've got one fan in me. And no. may, I, I told this to Krista the other day, I found out through Facebook that that I am uh, uh, one of your uh, number one fans on Facebook. So oh, if you're... <laughs> So if you ever come to Milwaukee or Madison, Wisconsin, if you come to Wisconsin at all, you'll probably find me somewhere in the audience and I'll come looking for you.
1: Oh th- my gosh, so kind. And <laughs> to meet you.
0: He <laughs> bet it'd be great. Well, thank you again. And you have a great rest of your day.
1: Thank you. You too. Hope to talk to you soon.
0: <laughs> Bye now. My new discovery this week is not a specific composer, but rather a choral group previously unknown to me, the Welgus Ensemble. I became aware of this group from their newest recording, The Magic of Polyphony. The collection is a three CD set of music recorded at the Welgus Ensemble's own festival held in Talon near the Burgundian capital of Dijon. The recording comprises unknown repertoire, undeservedly obscure composers, and experiments that fall outside of the scope of the normal concert season. In my show notes, I've included links to the ensemble's webpage, their entry in the All Music Guide, and links to their Music on YouTube. Well, that wraps episode number five. My show notes, along with links to artist websites, recording label websites, YouTube videos of artists' performances are all posted on my Facebook page, The Musical Universe of Professor Hearst. Coming up next week, will be an interview with Chicago area jazz big band leader and trumpeter extraordinaire, Dr. Bob Lark, who is also the director of the jazz studies program at DePaul university in Chicago. In future weeks, listen for interviews with Nashville based soul blues and R and B singer, Gina Cecilia, New York based drummer, band leader and composer-arranger, Dan Pugatch, Frank Green, the highly sought-after lead trumpet player, formerly of the Maynard Ferguson Band, and Paul Schaefer and the World's Most Dangerous Band on Late Night with David Letterman, currently lead trumpet with the Count Basie Orchestra. And look for my interview with blues guitarist and singer Aaron Harp, about her new album, Meet Me in the Middle. So don't touch that dial and stay tuned. If you have questions, comments, or a suggestion of an artist, composer, or musical style for me to consider, you may email me at h-u-r-s-t-c at u-w-m So, until next time, this is Professor Craig W. Hurst and Carmel the Wonder Dog signing off from the musical universe of Professor Hurst. Have a great day.